Hi everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rookrout. And today we finally have our last episode in the Oscar Contender series. Today we'll be talking about both screenplay categories, best director, and the big one, best picture. We made it. If you guys have listened to all of these as well, thank you for making it along with us. <laughs> it's been quite a journey and it's been a fun season. I'm ready for this final week into the Oscars and I still need to solidify all my predictions. Me too. I think this series that we've done has been fun. I've never dug this deeply into mm-hmm. all of the nominees and all of the categories. I've learned a lot, but it's definitely made me ready for the Oscars, which as of now, our day of recording are exactly a week away. So a week to still think about best actress (laughs) and how that can go. But of course, thinking about these categories too, which I think are a really interesting snapshot of what this season has looked like. So first up, we have best original screenplay. Our nominees here are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Going through these nominees in detail a little bit about what they've won and what they've been nominated for, Judas and the Black Messiah is a screenplay by Will Burson and Shaka King, story by Will Burson and Shaka King and Kenny Lucas and Keith Lucas. This screenplay was nominated for the WGA. Minati was written by Lee Isaac Chung and was not eligible for the WGA. Promising Young Woman was written by Emerald Fennell, and it won the WGA for original screenplay. It also won the BAFTA and Critics' Choice. Sound of Metal, its screenplay was written by Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr, story by Darius Martyr and Derek Sion Franz. It was nominated for the WGA. And lastly, The Trial of the Chicago 7 was written by Aaron Sorkin, and that was also nominated for the WGA and won the Golden Globe. How do you feel about this collection of nominees? I think overall, it's a fun group. We have a mix here of different kinds of screenplays that the Academy has gone for in the past. But I think as a group, all five of these produced quite entertaining films. I think so too. And I think for all five of these, the screenplay, that was really the central component for me of what stood out in these films, actually the writing, which is pretty cool. I think that all great films should have great screenplays. Yeah, I think as we've discussed all of these films through the Contender series and then even just the films on their own, I think we've both mentioned the screenplays and the dialogue and highlighting those things. So I think that speaks to why they're here. So historically, I think you could probably make a case for each of these. Her one in 2013, Get Out won a few years ago, and I think those are quite inventive stories. But then sometimes they do go for big movies with a lot of heart, which, you know, you could say Trial of Chicago 7 is. So while there may not be one clear formula for who is most likely to win, I think we have to look to who has been winning most of the awards this season so far. Also, so looking at this group and thinking about the diversity of the nominees, so looking at our frontrunners, so Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, which we'll definitely get into a little bit more here soon. Women historically do not do well in this category, so this would be a huge win. The last time that 
a woman won was in 2007 when Diablo Cody won for Juno. We've had Mm -hmm. a pretty big drought here of women. And of course, before that, people like Sofia Coppola and Jane Campion have won. And even further back, we have like Francis Marion winning. So that's like way, way back. But I think it's an important thing to think about here. And we think about like Judas and the Black Messiah, our black nominees, Jordan Peele, only one for Get Out. We think about Lee Isaac Chung, Asian nominees and winners here. Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won won for Parasite last year, but they're the only ones who have won also. So hmm. I think that our nominees here, we have a pretty diverse group, and that's really exciting, I think, considering the history of this category in particular. So what would your write-in vote be? My write-in vote would actually be for the 40-year-old version, which was written by Rada Blank. I think that if you're a fan of Woody Allen movies, Rada Blank, I think, is that way forward. Her writing actually reminded me a lot of that type of humor and that type of storytelling. She also directed it. She stars in it. And Mm -hmm. she's definitely, I think, a very exciting breakout voice in film. And I can't wait to see what she does next. So I would write in St. Francis, which is a smaller independent film, but I think even more so energetic and endearing. I was really shocked by it when I saw it. I wasn't expecting to be really blown away emotionally. And I think a large part of the film succeeds because of Kelly O'Sullivan's screenplay, who is also the lead in the film. The story focuses on multiple women and the struggles that they're going through in their own lives and how they all collide together as well. And I think it's just a beautiful script that I wish more people would see. I don't think it's very mainstream. So if you haven't seen St. Francis, I have we talked about this before? I don't know if I, I don't think so. I was just going to say I haven't seen it. So I'm excited to watch it. So if you haven't seen St. Francis, it's on Canopy, which is, like we mentioned previously, free through your library. And who do you think should win? I think Promising Young Woman or Minari should win. Those are the two most impactful films out of this list to me, and that Mm -hmm. really succeeded. If I had to pick one... I was going to say, I'm going to make you pick one. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give them both credit, because Promising Young Woman is louder and Minari is softer. And Mm -hmm. both are deserving in their own way. But I guess I would say Promising Young Woman. Who do you think should win? Well, based on the comment you just gave, I think our (laughs) listeners, if they're not new, will know what I'm going to pick here. And that's Minari. I think that this script is one that, yes, it is soft and it is quiet. It feels incredibly intimate and almost like a memory play. I... My English teacher is coming out again. Sorry, everyone. But it reminds me of like a Tennessee Williams play, like The Glass Menagerie or something, where you have this adult, Lee Isaac Chung, who is looking back on his life through wise eyes. And he is able to bring the keen observations that he's had as an adult and the deep understanding that he's had thinking about his childhood, and he's able to apply that to the characters in this film, whether that's thinking about his parents or his grandmother and her humor or his own struggles as a child. So yes, like while it seems 
soft on the surface and might not even strike you in this way when you're first watching it. I think when you leave, you're like, oh, this is an incredibly clear, soulful coming of age story. That is, mm-hmm. it's just remarkable, I think, it, to make a memory play like that and to have it feel like a, an indie family drama is really mm-hmm. cool. And the fact that he wrote this for a class and he was going to give up on filmmaking and screenwriting and mm-hmm. look what happened. While it is soft, it still like packs a punch. And that's why I really mm-hmm. like it, too. And then who do you think will win? I think Promising Young Woman is going to win. It has the support. If I knew this months ago, I would be pretty shocked that this has gotten so much Oscars press this whole season. But... Mm-hmm. I am very happy for that, too. <laughs> Who do you think will win? I think Promising Young Woman will win, too. I think that at first, I definitely thought it was going to be Aaron Sorkin, previous winner for The Social Network, with a script that is very dialogue-heavy, very snappy. But Promising Young Woman is really snappy, too. And I think in this script, also one thing that struck me when I was watching it was some of the lines are so specific and real to women's experiences that I kept thinking to myself throughout, like, okay, like, she knows what she's doing here. I think that it does, mm-hmm. you know, have some issues tonally and with some of the supporting characters, but I think that it is a script that also benefits from its aesthetic and from its direction. And now that we're here at this point, I feel like I can say, like, oh, I'm not really surprised this is winning at all. This is something that is the most memorable, I think, definitely, mm-hmm. for viewers and for voters of the group. But same boat. If you would have asked me months ago, I would have been like, absolutely not. There's no way. <laughs> but <laughs> this is the category we always talk about, too, of being the one where voters vote for the cool movie. Like, the one that's the more indie movie or the one that's dealing with thornier topics. So mm-hmm. it does fit in that way but still Mm -hmm. a little bit of a shocker so and emerald Fennell, that's i mean it's huge right she's going to i think unless something happens with sorkin (laughs) somehow um i think she's gonna win and be the first woman to win on her own since diablo cody which is amazing so next up is adapted screenplay our nominees here are borat subsequent movie film the father nomadland One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. So starting with Borat, subsequent movie film, we have nine different collaborators here. So the screenplay was written by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, Peter Bainham, Erica Rivanoja, Dan Mazur, Jenna Friedman, and Lee Kern. And the story was written by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, and Nina Pedrad. And this one, the... WGA for adapted screenplay. Wild. We can talk about that in a minute. But The Father has a screenplay by Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller. It wasn't eligible for the WGA, but it did win the BAFTA recently. Nomadland was written by the iconic Chloe Zhao. So this was not eligible for the WGA, but it won the Critics' Choice Award and the USC Scripter Award. And then it also had nominations at the BAFTAs and at the Golden Globes, which is a combined original and adapted category. The screenplay for One Night in Miami is written by Kemp Powers, and it was also nominated for a WGA. 
And then the screenplay for The White Tiger was written by Ramin Barani and also had a WGA nom. So how do you feel about this group of nominees? They're interesting. I definitely prefer the original screenplay category if I had to compare just which group of nominees I like better. I think the appearance of Borat here and The White Tiger, honestly, even though we saw those at WGA, was a little bit surprising. And then we, of course, had The Father and One Night in Miami as two play adaptations getting in. We talked about that like all season where I was like, I know all three can't get in, but of course I predicted the wrong one. There you go. And then Nomadland, which is based on a nonfiction book. Um, which is, I think, an interesting mm-hmm. case, and we can get into maybe how well it covers everything in the book. What do you think about this group of nominees? It's definitely an odd group of films. It's interesting that we have a couple book adaptations, a couple play adaptations. I think it's interesting that our two front runners weren't eligible at the WGA, so I think this category is much harder to predict than the mm-hmm. original screenplay category. One thing I will say about the Borat screenplay, I think that we had a lot of films this year that tried to tackle like big, important issues. And I will say, I do think that Borat is the only one that really goes there. I think a lot of the other films that are big issue films pull a lot of their punches. I think that they're more concerned with depicting the world in a very specific way, the directors are. And with Borat, it's just... There's nothing is sanitized. And I think we have to think about how like the Writers Guild and the Academy here decided that such a damning portrait of our country and the improv that it took to get there was worthy of a nomination. I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think we, we kind of sound like big Borat fans over the past few weeks, which is really strange. But I did just want to say that I think in comparison to the other screenplays that we have nominated. And the fact that the two more political portraits of the American landscape, we also have Nomadland, which Mm -hmm. is vastly different than our Borat counterpart. So (laughs) it definitely is interesting that this group was chosen. Speaking again about female writers, the last time a solo female writer won in the adapted category was Emma Thompson in 1995 for Sense and Sensibility. So... Again, if Chloe won here, this would be a huge feat, an even longer span of time than in the original category. So who would your write-in vote be here? My write-in vote, the movie has come back, (laughs) (laughs) would be for Charlie Kaufman for his adaptation of Ian Reid's novel, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I'm a huge fan of this book. I thought it was an amazing work of horror thriller fiction Mm -hmm. and I think that Charlie Kaufman really applied his vision as a writer director to this book in really fascinating ways and we have an episode on I'm thinking of ending things where we try to break it all down because it is a mind bender of a movie but I ultimately think that he was really successful and found a source material that works really well with his style. This film is a tricky one. I think that if you're a Kaufman fan, it will be catnip to you, which we've talked about before. If you're not, you can persevere through. (laughs) What would your write-in vote be? My vote, which again, 
I'm bringing this one back as well, would be for <laughs> The Invisible Man, which oh was written and directed by Lee Wannell. And I think I really like this one because it was very loosely based on the novel by H.G. Wells. And I really like what they did in adapting it to a modern story, bringing in the Me Too movement and how it portrays tech in Silicon Valley, and then also in gaslighting the lead female character and portrayal of domestic abuse. And I think it could have stood its own ground in this group of nominees. And who do you think should win? I think the father should win. Who do you think should win? I agree. I also think the father should win. I think that a lot of times when we have play adaptations go to the screen, they are word for word the same and don't lean into how to make the script cinematic. And I think that there are other parts of The Father that are distractingly uncinematic. But as far as the screenplay goes, I really love how it doesn't follow the traditional path that plays usually take when they're about like physical ailments. Instead, what it does is it cleverly shifts the POV to be Anthony's. And I think in disorienting the audience that way, it really makes the screenplay have that much more of an impact on the viewer. So this, I think, is the most of the group, the most successful adaptation, I think. Yeah, there aren't many play adaptations that are so convincing that I can't imagine how they do this on stage. I think it works really well as a film and the editing compounds on Anthony's dementia and his POV, like you mentioned. And I would be interested to see this on stage to see how it was originally written. But I think as a script, it really accomplishes what it set out to do. I agree. And who do you think will win? This one's really tricky because of the problem that you mentioned earlier with Nomadland and The Father are frontrunners, I would say, both being missing from the WGA. Mm -hmm. At this moment, I'm going to say The Father. I think coming off the BAFTA win, and now that more people are seeing The Father, I think that this might be an easy place for Academy members to give it something, especially if they think that Chadwick is winning. The screenplay and knowing that it's adapted from a play is something that could stand out to voters. And the writing of Nomadland doesn't stand out as much as its other components, like cinematography or director. So today I'm going with The Father. <laughs> what do you think? Initially, I would have said Nomadland or The Father. If you need me to pick one, I'm also going to pick The Father. And I would pick it over Nomadland because I read an interesting article by... A previous Oscar Wilde guest, Kevin Jacobson, he wrote on Gold Derby about how all eight Best Picture nominees might end up with an award at the Oscars. And it really had me thinking if that was a real possibility or not. The other interesting thing, I do want to go back and read all of the Nomadland screenplay, but my grandma read the book and then she saw the film and said it was completely different, which I do mm -hmm. appreciate that. They can actually adapt something to the screen. And obviously, Chloe does it in her own way. And I really mm -hmm. loved that. But I think if we're going to award the father, this would be its strongest chance. And since Nomadland is likely winning other awards throughout the night, I think mm -hmm. I would give 
the father the screenplay win over Nomadland because it's Mm -hmm. definitely something that I thought about more throughout the film that attributed to its success Mm -hmm. right and I think with the Nomadland script creating a character like Fern who really feels like she's part of that community and not like an invented character is that's a strong part of that screenplay but I do find that the critiques of Nomadland are from people who want the nonfiction documentary version of the story. And this Mm. is not that. This is a much more romanticized mood piece. I personally think it does get into a lot of the hard stuff, but not maybe in the way that the book does. Granted, I haven't read the book, but I think that's a challenge that comes when you're adapting a nonfiction book into a narrative feature. Mm Mm-hmm. And that could affect its chances here, too. So next up, we have Best Director. Our nominees are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. For these, so we're going to share some more award stats again, but we're also going to share their next project because I think for a lot of directors, it's cool to kind of think about what they're making next following their oscar nominations so our first nominee is thomas vinterberg for another round this is his first nomination for best director and i think definitely an indication that this branch is becoming much more international and that we can now each year maybe expect at least one international nominee and his next project he is directing a mini series called families like ours a little plug here if you're a fan of carrie mulligan and you liked another round and you maybe like costume dramas, which I check all of those boxes. <laughs> Definitely watch his film from 2015, Far From the Madding Crowd. It's an adaptation of the British novel, and Carrie is fabulous in it. He also clearly loves shooting Carrie because she looks wonderful the entire film. So definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. And watch The Hunt, which I've said before. I mm-hmm. really do love that movie. <laughs> so next up is David Fincher, who directed Mank. This is his third nomination. He was also nominated before for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and The Social Network. His next project is The Killer, which is based on a graphic novel starring Michael Fassbender as an assassin. I'm very excited for that, (laughs) whenever that happens. Give me anything that Fincher does, really. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And I think after Mank, I'm excited to get back to more traditional Fincher like thriller Fincher, so this will be a fun one. Lee Isaac Chung directed Minari, and this is his first nomination for Best Director. His next project is is actually a live-action remake of Your Name, the animated film. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I did not know that, and um, (laughs) I won't share my thoughts on Your Name. (laughs) I need to watch it. I know that you have your thoughts. But he's co-writing this with Emily V. Gordon, who was one of the writers on The Big Sick. So this should be interesting. Definitely interesting. I have high hopes for this, though. I do. So next is Chloe Zhao. She is the first Asian-American woman to be nominated for Best Director. She has swept this entire award season, which we love to see. And her next project, which we mentioned here on the pod before, is Eternals, which is the only Marvel film I will ever be excited to see (laughs) and has a huge cast starring Angelina Jolie, Gemma Chan, Sama Hayek, 
Richard Madden, Kit Harrington, Kamel Nanjani, Lauren Ridloff, who is also in Sound of Metal. The list goes on and on, and this was delayed from last year. I can't wait to watch this. I'm really excited to see what she does with the Marvel money. And also, you know, if the studio gets in her way. (laughs) So our last nominee is Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. This is also exciting, you know, having another woman nominated, but also a nomination for your first feature is always big. I think we think back to, you know, other directors who've been nominated or who have won on their first feature, like Sidney Lumet for 12 Angry Men, Mike Nichols for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Like she's in really great company. So that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. She also has a really interesting background, mostly as a writer, but she played Camilla on The Crown. So she has an acting background. She also has written children's fantasy stories. And she was the showrunner of season two of Killing Eve. And her next project, she's mostly doing writing, but she signed on to write Zatanna, which is a DC property. And also the notorious Andrew Lloyd Webber, Cinderella. What? (laughs) Have you heard about this? No. She wrote the book for Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella musical. I'm excited to see what she does with that, especially because... I did read, and I'm sorry, I can't remember where I found this, but I did read a while back that she was curious about exploring Cinderella from the idea of, like, what happens to Cinderella, like, once she has the prince, like, when she's in the castle, Hmm. like, how does she adjust to this new type of life? And it's like, oh, that's a really interesting perspective. That is really cool, yeah. That I haven't heard about. So who would your write-in vote be? My write-in votes, I would do two. My first would be Kelly Reichert for First Cow. I loved First Cow. I think it's a really beautiful American tale. Definitely watch this film. So it won Best Film from the New York Film Critics Circle. And Kelly Riker just has such a clear visual style and such a command over her medium that I think it's just such a beautiful film, the way it unfolds. My other write-in vote would be for Regina King for One Night in Miami. I think that she, with this film, which we've talked about before, we have an episode on it, she established herself as having very impressive directing chops. Like, she can really direct her actors. So Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see what she does next. I almost put First Cow in the adapted screenplay write-in because I think, like Minari, there's a lot of depth to it, but it's very subtle. And I almost wrote in Regina King here, but I have to just... (laughs) plug Steve McQueen once again for his Small X series. I think it not being eligible for any of the film awards this season is just so disappointing because I think it could really be a huge contender if multiple of the films were eligible. And I think if he were up for director, it'd be an incredible list of five. His vision is just so exact and it's really mesmerizing to watch all of those small axe films. I think that if we just had Mangrove instead of Chicago 7, I think he definitely would have gotten in and it would have been a big Oscar player. Mm-hmm. But now the Emmys have it, so good on them. <laughs> <laughs> and who do you think should win? I'm going for my critic's darling, Chloe Zhao. And now she's an industry darling too, which is great. <laughs> great, but scary. And I think she'll 
be able to hold her own, but I am really curious where this will lead her. Do you agree? I do. I think the way that she conjured Nomadland up and she has such a beautiful visual style and I've said before she reminds me of Varda, just the way that she brings in pieces of documentary filmmaking with these non-professional actors, but also has, I think, a clear mastery of tone and mood. She's someone who I think will be one of the defining filmmakers of our generation. So it's just, it's really exciting to see her kind of get her laurels at the right time. She doesn't have to wait like a lot of people to get this prize. So I'm very very excited about that. And I think that's a good transition into who we think will win. As we said, she swept this entire season, and I don't think this is the one that she's going to lose. So I am going all in on Chloe Joe. I agree. I think it's happening. We're going to have our second woman to win ever, our first Asian American woman to win. I'm really hopeful, I think, of the next generation of filmmakers who she can inspire. I think that that's mm-hmm. a huge part of this, too, of little kids who are watching the Oscars. I know that people doubt the viewership of the Oscars, but there will be some watching who will see Chloe on that stage and think, I can do it, too. And that is, I mean, that's invaluable. And I don't know if Bong Joon-ho is going to be at the Oscars, but oh if God. he can give her the award, that will be such a photo to have. I really hope it happens. Yeah, and if he can't come to the Oscars, they should get Catherine Bigelow to do it because everyone knows how it's going to end anyway, I think, so. (laughs) Okay, we did it. This is our final category, Best Picture. Our eight nominees here are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. This is our last year of the sliding scale. Next year, we are getting... 10 Best Picture nominees, which is very exciting. I think that we have a great slate of films coming, fingers crossed, and it'll make it much easier for predicting, of course, as well. But what do you think about this group of nominees, I think, considering the year that we've had? Are you happy with them? What do you think? When they were announced, there were a few snubs, but I think overall, it's a fairly decent group if we're talking about the films of the year. How do you feel about them as a group? I think that this will always historically be a significant group of Best Picture nominees because of the year that we've been through. This, I think, is a group of films that most people didn't see in theaters. I wonder if these films will be remembered and will stick in the same way that films in the past have. Because, well, I think that, you know, there are people who we follow on Twitter and there are critics who are passionate about some of these films I think that for the most part, the general public still hasn't seen a good portion of these. And part of that is due to, you know, when you go on Netflix, if your algorithm isn't telling you to watch Mank or Trial of the Chicago 7, you're not going to watch it. There's tons of content on there already, unless you know that it's it's coming and you're like, oh, a David Fincher film, I got to watch this. But for most people, that's not the case. I think it's unique to see how the Academy is moving forward, but... I don't think we're going to get a group of films like this next year. How do you envision the list could have been if theaters weren't closed, if box office were normal, if COVID didn't happen and like hadn't disrupted the release of these movies? Do you imagine that it would have been different? 
maybe which movies could have gotten in. I think we might need to have maybe an episode on this, like a what if Oscars type of thing, because I think it's kind of a long conversation. But I do think that smaller films, Sound of Metal definitely jumps out at me as one that would not have appeared, especially for Best Picture. We also have to account for a release schedule, things like Dune and West Side Story and The French Dispatch all being in the conversation Mm -hmm. if things wouldn't have been delayed and closed. So I think it would look completely different. And that's why I think this group of films is unique. And again, I, I really don't think that in the future we'll have a group of films like this. This is quite a ways away, but I wonder if we on the pod have a combined 2020-2021 Oscar Wilde Awards to Mm -hmm. see what could have gotten in had they combined the two years together. Ooh, that's also really interesting. I would like to do that. That would be fun. So what would your write-in vote be? My write-in vote would be for Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, the film by Eliza Hittman. It's an incredible coming-of-age story about a young woman who crosses state lines to get an abortion. And this film is written so beautifully and it tells the type of story that we really don't hear ever in film and focuses on characters with a clarity and a specificity that we do not always see in coming-of-age stories. So I would have loved to have seen this here in Best Picture. And I think it would have made a big statement about the types of stories about women that they are willing to celebrate because... I think that Promising Young Woman is a very, very different type of story than Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is. What would your write-in vote be? My write-in vote is for Defy Bloods, which I still really love and in another way would have added an interesting dialogue to American politics and how Black veterans have coped and exist in 2020. I think it's well-written, well-directed, well-acted. We've discussed a lot of these things before. And I think it's one that when I look back, if it had been in this group of nominees, I think I would remember that over some of the other contenders here. And who do you think should win? I think Minari should win. I was really rooting for it at SAG. And then it would have the push like Parasite did. I also think Minari should win. I think that it has a quality to it that everyone can connect to despite it being really sad and bleak at times it is a deeply american story but about an international family and it's eye-opening it's enlightening it's beautifully written each member of the ensemble cast brings something just bright and warm to this film and i think it would say something about the year that we've been into I think that there are a couple that would, but I haven't known a person who's left Minari and doesn't feel something from it. And I know we've talked about that in past Oscar ceremonies that you want to feel something from your best picture winner. And Minari does that for, I think, just about every viewer. It to me is a lasting portrait of the American dream and struggles that any human goes through. And I think it's fitting for it to be in 2020 and... We've lauded so many aspects of the film before, so if you want to hear us talk about Minari more, go back and listen to our episode on it. Who do you think will win? I think that Nomadland will win. 
I'm not going to get crazy and wild here and predict something else. I think that the signs are here for Nomadland. I think it has a lot of support. And in a similar way to Minari, I think that people can connect to the loneliness and the isolation at the core of Nomadland and can, despite being in completely different life situations, connect to that in Fern's character and through Francis's portrayal and through Chloe's vision. So I do think that the love for it is there in the industry. So I think it'll win. What about you? I agree. I think Nomadland is going to take home the big prize. I know PGA came pretty early in the award ceremonies, but it did go to Nomadland. So I'm just going to kind of echo everything you've said. I think it has the support and it's been talked about fairly consistently throughout this entire season. What do you think Nomadland's biggest challengers are, if there are any? And do you think anything has a chance of overcoming it? So Trial of the Chicago 7 won the SAG Best Ensemble, but I don't think it has the support like Parasite did last year to overcome Nomadland. Honestly, out of all the other ones, I would say Minari is closest. But in terms of the year and maybe how I felt in past years of there being a front runner, there's no real one that stands out to me, which kind of feels odd. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What's really hard is that I just don't see passion for any film on this list besides Promising Young Woman. And that I would just never predict to win Best Picture or even be in second place. I still think that The Trial of the Chicago 7 is ahead of it with the SAG Ensemble win. I think that if a film were to get in out of pure love, it could be Minari, but I still just don't see it. And that's why I'm Mm -hmm. just going with Nomadland. But it still feels weird. It just feels too easy, and I need to not get in my head. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to go through our preferential ballots. We've talked before in a text chain of how we would personally rank these. But for me, if I were voting, I would rank them differently than how I enjoy them myself. So there are like so many different combinations of ranking these films, but this is how we would rank them if we were voting in the Academy. So my number eight is The Trial of the Chicago 7. My number eight is The Trial of the Chicago 7. My number seven is Mink. My number seven is Promising Young Woman. My number six is Judas and the Black Messiah. My number six is Judas and the Black Messiah. My number five is Sound of Metal. My number five is Sound of Metal. My number four is The Father. My number four is Mank. My number three is Promising Young Woman. My number three is The Father. My number two is Nomadland. My number two is Nomadland. And my number one is Minari. My number one is Minari. Wow. Wow. We agree. (laughs) Well, we had five out of eight. That's actually really good for us. (laughs) That really is. I was going to say, like, whoa. (laughs) Nomadland and Minari up to a point were kind of interchangeable for me of what was my number one and what was my number two until I just realized, I think, that for me, this is a year where I would have loved to see a director picture split Mm -hmm. with Minari and Nomadland. Yeah, With Chloe getting director and Minari getting picture. And, you know, nothing is totally locked down. Things, of course, can happen and are up in the air. The Academy does have a much larger voting body than the rest of the groups that we've talked about all season. 
And also we do have to consider the fact that this year might have a lower participation rate, you know, with COVID and with the lack of passion being there for some of these films. I'm so curious to see how this all turns out. And I would really love to see the votes this year. (laughs) So in terms of who votes for the Academy Awards, the nominations are determined by people voting in their branch. And then the final Academy Awards are decided among all members of the Academy. So it definitely opens things up. You know, we've gone through each category and how the guilds have voted. And that definitely plays a big part. But I think opening it up to the entire voting body could change things. So Mm -hmm. like you said, nothing set in stone yet. Yeah, I think too, you know, we can talk about stats all year long, but they could totally go out the window. And if any year they do that, it's going to be this year. So I'm excited to get to the last episode that we have before the Oscars, which will be our final Oscar predictions. And guest starring will be Gold Derby senior editor Joyce Ang, which I'm very excited to have on the pod and see what she thinks and is going to predict. Yeah, I think we'll definitely be sharing our predictions, but also getting her wisdom and hearing what she thinks about some of these categories that are very up in the air. And it'll be a fun episode and a good way to wrap up Oscar season. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you soon. Stay safe and wear your masks. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe and wear your masks.